My name is Christopher Peter and welcome to the podcast on the Christopher Peter Review, where we have conversations on the salient current events impacting our public policy, economic outcomes, and overall society. Podcasts here and the common sense commentary available on our content channels focus on providing ideas to help make our society a better place to live, work, and thrive in. In this podcast episode, I am going to lead a discussion on our institutions with a focus of generating ideas of how to make them more effective for the American public. There are many institutions in our society, but we will focus on the press, law enforcement, public education, and financial systems. These ones had recent or somewhat recent events that impacted how society perceives their efficacy and usefulness. First off, let me remind everyone what an institution is in the organizational sense. An institution is generally regarded as an organization or group of organizations that serve a specific role or purpose in society. Our national press serves a social role in educating the public on the actions and decisions of power brokers and holding them accountable by shedding light on these actions, behaviors, and outcomes that often happen in the dark. Our public education institution serves a social purpose in developing skills in our youth so they can one day contribute to their own well-being and our overall economy. Law enforcement serves a vital role in removing criminals from society, ideally reducing the level of crime, violence, and social harm in our communities. Finally, our financial institutions provide citizens with safe and secure places to store money, access loans or investment opportunities, or engage in economic activity to grow wealth. Our institutions are vital to how well we perceive our society or communities to be. Areas with functional and effective institutions are more desirable places to live. More desirable places to operate a business. More desirable place to raise families in. When our institutions fail at the local levels, we rethink our decisions and may change where we reside, work, or raise our youths. When they fail at the national level, those capable of leaving will consider doing so and the rest will suffer from the decline. It is vital to the overall well-being that we are able to ensure that our institutions work for the benefit of the consumers, not the people in power or the interest of a few. That they serve the widest scope of the population and not leave people behind or unfairly exclude people. From an economic perspective, one may argue that if an institution is not performing by providing the greatest good for the greatest number of people, then it must be changed. From a political perspective, there is a need to understand the risk, rewards, cost, benefits, and constraints involved because change may seem like the obvious path forward, but who bears the cost and who may be harmed is an important consideration. That is why it takes governments quite a while to make changes that some may believe that are obvious. There are many factors to consider and aspects to balance. Something that is important to think about when trying to find a path forward. Also, strong societal attitudes can make it difficult to enact change in the political realm. In our society, we hold institutions on a pedestal at times. We make it hard to enact reforms because the institution serves an important social purpose. For instance, we see many politicians not wanting to do anything to change social security, despite warnings of potential insolvency. Rather they simply raise the age where most people will not qualify for it until they are long gone. The potential pain in the near moment can create potential political capital to hold the status quo. That reputation usually shields the organizations and the people running them from scrutiny or questioning. Until an institution does something shocking and the pendulum swings completely the other direction, where there are people who see red and want to rid society of it, despite the obvious importance. There always is a balance and opportunity to reform and get an institution back on track. There just needs to be leadership, willpower, and perspective. Before we can discuss solutions, we need to identify and define what the problems are. For this, I will turn to the CRC team to provide perspectives on what troubles we are experiencing in our press, law enforcement, education, and banking. 
My name is Jennifer and I am going to discuss the issues with our press. A poll was recently completed and the results that were released show that Americans continue to distrust the news media and that sentiment has changed little since 2017. For nearly a decade now, the majority of Americans do not trust our news media. The press in America is supposed to be the institution that informs society of important issues and holds power brokers accountable by shedding light to actions and decisions made in the dark, far away from the public eye. Even in the age where technology is in every facet of our daily lives, we still rely on the work of journalists to confirm the truth of what we hear and see in the media. We know that press conferences, press releases, social media posts, and speeches are just the tips of the iceberg. They are over-manicured so the public perceives the message in a certain manner. Journalists are supposed to question these so the people know the truth. Unfortunately, Americans are not completely sure if the content provided to them by the press is the truth. All too often lately, the information put forth by the members of the press turn out to be inaccurate, incomplete, or misleading. We saw much of the press dismiss the idea that a lab leak was the cause of the COVID-19 pandemic. But, now they are willing to acknowledge that the global pandemic was not caused by eating bats. Of the two possibilities, I think many would agree that a lab leak is more likely than eating bats. Also, there is a clear and purposeful political bias in much of the coverage that is making people turn away from the news. For instance, consider the differences in how election fraud claims were covered by the press. For those claiming the 2016 election was stolen, the press essentially provided a platform to anyone who questioned the results of a legitimate fair and free election. Those questioning the 2020 election were not treated the same. Despite both lacking credibility, the 2016 election deniers were known to have paid for a fabricated dossier. We see the same treatment with the classified document scandals, where the media seems to want us to believe that Trump had nuclear codes while Biden had harmless documents in numerous places. There is a lack of consistency in how issues are handled. Therefore, no one can truly trust the content offered nowadays. The news media in America is not a national-owned company like in other nations. The institution of the press is composed of many privately owned organizations serving in this vital role. And this space is continually expanding and the line between a news organization and an entertainment company is blurred through restructuring and changes in consumer behaviors. For instance, there is a significant number of people who rely on comedians for their news. Many people nowadays rely on social media. There is a difference between talking about the news and actual journalism. Comedians and social media pundits do not hold themselves to the same standards that news organizations generally do. For instance, we see many sports commentators talk about social issues in a blurb, without providing a comprehensive review of the actual topic. That serves only to generate anger, not intellectual understanding. This is why we see people running around mad but not able to truly speak to why they are angry. Many news media companies have not adapted to this changing environment properly. Many sought to embrace this social media-style coverage, talk show host, or comedian-style coverage. Many sought to target fringe but reliable audiences and serve only their interests. At the end of the day, media companies are businesses. Chasing ratings is a legitimate need for survival. But, journalistic integrity and objective reporting is important as well. My name is Brad and I am going to discuss our public education system. The public education system is an institution tasked with providing American youths with the skills needed to best position themselves to succeed in pursuing a college degree, trade or tech opportunities, or compete for employment directly upon graduation. 
at the very least, there is a social importance to having an educated society that can read, write, and make sound decisions. Especially in a nation where people are free to choose their personal lifestyles, economic pursuits, and behaviors. There is an importance to ensuring people have the proper tools needed to make sound decisions and accept and understand the consequences of these decisions. The American education system has some of the best schools and techniques in the world, but also some of the worst, which is why overall it continues to decline when compared to global industrialized nations. The issue is not that America cannot compete with the world, but that there is a great level of variation in performance, which creates more difficult paths for those residing in communities with poorly functioning education systems. People residing in wealthier areas will generally have better economic and educational outcomes than those coming from poorer areas, which is troubling. If we step back and think for a moment, it is one thing for a person to make bad decisions and have to live with their life choices. But their children did not have a voice in those decisions. Those children neither chose to live in these areas nor have the ability to make economic decisions that impact them at their age. We need to allow people to have a fighting chance to elevate themselves out of bad situations in favor of better ones. That is fair. The question is how to effectively and efficiently do this in America, where education systems are not nationally run like in China or in Europe. There are 50 state governments as well as countless local governments with influence before even considering the federal policy. The normal dogma is that education quality is solely a function of spending. That is a major factor but not the only one. Some counter that better performing systems like private, charter, and religious-based systems are harming the public education. America spends more per student than any other nation in the world. By a large margin. Yet, the value attained continually declines. It is not only how much is spent by how it is spent that should be considered. People should have the ability and freedom to pull their student out of an underperforming school system and switch to a better performing one if they choose to and can afford to. Competition does not harm performance but helps provide solutions. There are real opportunities in this area with ideas like school choice if done right. I think students need to be at the center of this issue. Too much focus is placed on the teachers, their unions, and reducing accountability. Outcomes need to matter. The outcomes of our students. My name is Adriana and I have the pleasure of discussing our institution of law enforcement in America. Law and order is essential in America. Our communities require public safety to attract residents, businesses, and other staples of a desirable quality of life. People generally do not want to live in areas with high crime rates. People will not put their employees at risk in high crime areas. That increases their cost of recruitment and compensation as well. People do not want to raise kids in these environments. Many people do not even want to drive through these areas if at all possible. How law and order is maintained in our communities is largely the result of effective policing and law enforcement that is well-trained and accountable to the public. We hope that values and principles are enough to deter people from doing crime, but many people need active and consistent deterrence. People will not speed in areas they know police patrol or monitor traffic. People are less likely to steal in businesses frequented by police or at the very least have security guards or cameras. As we are seeing nowadays, people have less moral standing than we give them credit for. Law enforcement is facing a great level of challenges from rising crime levels, including violent crime, and political support weaning due to high-profile incidents that some in the public have not handled properly. 
Police officers put their life on the line each and every day dealing with the most dangerous and violent offenders in our society. But, we need them to behave better than the people they are tasked with bringing to justice. I think we all can agree that what we saw during the George Floyd and Tyre Nichols arrests were troubling. The officers involved need to be held accountable and they are. But, we must understand that communities need police and especially people of color, who call the police more than other groups. The knee-jerk reaction in calling for defunding the police was idiotic. Why give criminals free reign to commit crimes? For events that are statistically rare? Are there any law-abiding people enjoying what we are seeing in terms of crime all across the nation? We need to ensure that law enforcement is not going beyond reasonable force when apprehending these suspects. The standards and protocols should be clear. They do not have to be willing victims to violent suspects. But they should not try to be the judge, jury, and executioner either. We can have a balanced solution where we have police patrolling our communities in a fair and appropriate manner. My name is JP and I am going to discuss the banking industry, which is our financial institution. The banking industry serves a vital role in the American economy, providing Americans with a safe and regulated avenue to store their funds and execute their financial needs and wants. People rely on banking not only for deposits, withdrawals, or bill pay, but for investing, wealth management, estate management, and financial planning. Banks are vital for credit and loans, when additional liquidity is needed. The financial industry helps us retire fast, purchase homes, pay for college, finance cars, or fund new business ventures. There are many nations that would love to enjoy the banking services and security that Americans enjoy. That being said, there are still opportunities for improvements for banks, financial lenders, and other players in this market. Access to banking is still a challenge for people of color, some of whom do not have credit issues. Banking still does not do a good enough job of serving a broad enough population, many of whom would qualify for services if they were a different demographic. We really need to get beyond the stereotypes of more likely and deal with the reality of the actual individual applicants. I say that because they really have the opportunity to expand their customer bases and reach by adapting to more modern needs in place of the older stuffy approach to banking. Also, we may need to rethink how we calculate credit scores and how lending is done. There are many people who are denied loans for something that happened years ago where the overall financial picture may have been completely different. Using current data is a reasonable way to expand customer bases. But, overall, the banking industry is doing fine made great progress from the days of the financial crisis, where it brought the global economy down and everyone became anti-bank overnight. Showed that our institutions can be reformed, whether we agree with the path they chose. We now know what the issues are with each of these institutions. We can work on identifying solutions. Let us begin with the press. As Jennifer pointed out the issue is with lack of trust. A problem that is not easy to overcome. We know this personally that once we no longer trust someone or something, there is a credibility gap that is difficult to overcome. Since 2017, the media has made little progress on filling the credibility gap. To be honest, many had little interest in doing so. What did they try? Maybe a new marketing campaign might work. Turns out it did not. Maybe new hosts or reshuffling the lineups. That did not work either. Because, at the end of the day, the product is no longer trusted. Many people changed where they get their news information. Podcasts, blogs, social media, and late-night shows. The path forward is not to compete on entertainment value. Unless you see your organization as an entertainment company. 
The difference between an entertainment company dabbling in news and a news company is quality of content. Like others, I enjoy watching networks like ESPN, who sometimes veer out of the sports realm and make political statements. Inaccuracy in sports news is harmless, right? May impact a bet. But it does not impact the larger scale. When true news media is wrong, it has larger consequences. I think news media companies need to realize that their approach to news needs to change. The public does not want you to tell us how we should perceive issues or which side they believe is correct. Rather present the complete set of facts, evidence, and data and allow the audience to make their own decision. The central focus of their brands need to be around accuracy, integrity, and trust. Of course entertaining is an important factor, but not one useful in branding an organization that deals with serious issues. The pandemic was not entertaining, yet we all turned to the news media to provide us with updates and information about what our next steps were. This cannot be done with advertising, but improvement in content and processes. There is a major credibility gap, so people have to see that news organizations can provide objective and actual news quality content. The news media is an important institution and also a business. There is a need to raise funds to support the duty it serves. But, it must remember that it serves the public's interest not only its own. In regards to the public education institution, we have discussed this in the American Education Podcast episode. So, I do not repeat the points made there. But, I agree that school choice should be nationwide. I agree with the sentiment that our youth should not suffer because of the decisions made by the parents. They should have an opportunity to elevate themselves. I grew up in a state with school choice. A blue state and it helped many people I know to find the skills needed for their current career fields. So I believe it is a helpful solution. The solution to issues with law enforcement is not defunding the police, but actually increasing funding for enhanced training, implementing accountability programs, and more police so that officers are not working long shifts that impact their judgment. In the healthcare setting, hospitals know that the longer surgeons are on shifts, the more likely an incident will occur during their final surgeries. So we can assume that the same is true of law enforcement. I understand there's a great level of emotions and even hysteria when we first see these events. And many times the news media is quick to break the story before all the facts are available. Narratives are always quicker than the truth. The people supporting the radical defund the police approach are doing a major disservice to their communities. And are not basing their stance on facts, evidence, or data. These incidents are highly rare. Most arrests are completed without any incidents. The vast majority of arrests. That is just a statistical fact. Understandably, the images can create strong emotions and help fuel those narratives of division. While I agree that we cannot have law enforcement behaving like they are the judge, jury, and executioner, I also understand that in most of these incidents the suspect contributed greatly to their tragic outcomes, with George Floyd and Tyre Nichols being exceptions. The balanced solution is working to evaluate protocols and training, as well as improved policing. Communities do need to see a police presence to deter potential criminals. People are not as good-natured as we sometimes believe. The banking industry has come a long way since the financial crisis. The industry showed that institutions can be addressed effectively and make it to the other side. The reputation was heavily impacted by an angry society experiencing the biggest financial disaster since the Great Depression. But, now banks have restored their trust for the most part and are once again healthy. In recent years, banks have helped to spearhead solutions that address some of our social issues. We do not have to agree with the approach to restoring them or some of their current tactics, but institutions that understand they fail the public and work to restore their reputation and their usefulness can find redemption. I agree that banks can work on expanding their customer bases by serving underserved communities typically ignored by financial institutions. That would help bring more people into our economy. Now, 
Let us discuss some recent current events. Welcome to the CRC Conversation segment. The conflict in Ukraine continues to rage on with the West somewhat uniting to fight this vicariously through Ukraine. At the same time, Russia is aligning more closely with China, Iran, and others in their efforts. Are we still confident that we can avoid World War III? Is there any light at the end of the tunnel? This war has reached its first full year and it does not appear that either side is making enough progress to believe that there is nothing more than a stalemate at this point. It is interesting to see that true patriotism exists, as not many people thought this would be a long conflict. Fighting for their way of life, their freedom, and their homeland combined with assistance from the West has helped them stand up to a foe that many have overestimated. I think it is rational to consider calls for peace talks. And it is also rational for Zelensky to not want to cede any land. But what is the end game for either side and is it realistic? Controversial Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene called for a national divorce between red and blue states. Of course not considering that many red states have blue areas and blue states have red areas. She is not the first voice to say this. But, our leaders on both sides of the aisle should be speaking more towards unity rather than giving up. Am I wrong? I think talk of national divorce just placates the fringes. People need to accept the fact that we do not have to agree with each other on every topic. Every issue. That is not realistic. We need to be able to disagree without the impulse to just separate and divide. There are areas where each side may feel it is necessary to stand their ground. But, there should be some areas where common ground can be found. Our politics cannot be centered on whether actions taken will shed a positive or negative light on the president, but on how the American people will make out. CNN host Don Lemon got into hot water with remarks about when women are in their prime, which understandably offended the women he shares a morning show with. This controversial remark was clearly made to defend Joe Biden against Nikki Haley's questioning of his mental capacity, but why should he feel the need to defend a sitting president if not biased? There are legitimate reasons to question Joe Biden's mental state, based on what we have seen during his time as president. At times, he appears like he is not all there. Other times it looks like a struggle to keep it all together. What is not legitimate to question is whether a woman is in her prime. Age does not matter. Performance does. So not sure why he thought that was a rabbit hole to go down. Not smart at all. To recap this episode, we discussed four of our important institutions and offered ideas on how to solve concerns the general public holds over their efficacy. In terms of the media, the focus should be on greater objectivity and comprehensive reporting in a manner that outlays the facts, evidence, and data to allow the audience to shape their own opinions rather than telling the public what to think. In regards to education, we built upon a past episode by supporting school choice as a possible solution to improving performance. To make our communities safer, we discussed a more rational approach towards law enforcement reform by focusing on accountability and training and more police rather than defunding police and ceding our communities to the criminal element. Finally, we discussed that it is possible to reform our institutions because we saw it firsthand and that banks can expand their customer bases by increasing efforts to market to underserved communities before competition takes away the opportunity to. In closing, I thank Jennifer and the team for their continued contributions to this podcast. I especially thank the audience for taking the time to experience this episode of the Christopher Peter Review Podcast. We truly appreciate your viewership and continue to collaborate to ensure we offer you common sense and informative content. Please continue to visit us at www.crcrvw.com for new content and explore the content channels available. Thank you once again for experiencing this podcast episode and we will see you next time.